This is the Adoptive Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast with me, your host, Alex Fitton. You are tuning in to season eight, episode 112 in a season full of stories and journeys and lessons learned from adoption influencers of all shapes and sizes, sharing their journeys and their families and their lessons learned with the world. Today, we get to sit down with Christy Gior. Christy is a YouTuber and an amazing follow on Instagram who shares her multicultural adoptive family journey with us and provides a safe place to ask questions and to better learn how to navigate being a white parent of black kids. Before we jump into our interview, though, I want to remind you guys to check out the AMP store. We've got shirts, mugs, and totes. And if you check out our Instagram today, you will catch a first glimpse of our brand new design hitting the store this week. To stock up on all of your adoptive mom essentials, head to theadoptivemompodcast.com slash shop. Okay, let's go meet Christy Jewar. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I am so excited to talk to my guest today. Christy, how is it going? Going good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to talk to you and jump into like your whole story and background. But first, can you just give us kind of a snapshot of who you are and who your family is and all of that stuff? Yeah, my name is Christy. My husband and I, Ed, have adopted five children through foster care. We are currently living in Las Vegas. We just recently transplanted from the San Francisco Bay Area. I have a YouTube channel where I share my lifestyle and motherhood tips and also everything about foster care and adoption and just providing support to my community as we navigate this really unique journey of foster care and adoption. Yes. I, so I love that. Um, I love getting to talk to YouTubers because I feel like you guys, um, I don't know, you have like such a wide variety of things that you can do and, and ways that you can let people into your life that even on Instagram, we're a little bit more limited. Um, are you liking the YouTube and Instagram together or do you like one more than the other? Um, recently I've started to uh, like concentrate on Instagram a little bit more because I can, I'm a little bit, um, all over with my thoughts. And if I have a personal story I want to share, I could just pop onto Instagram easily, not filtered, not edited. doesn't take a million years to upload mm. and I can just share my experience right away. So I love the personal side of Instagram better than YouTube. I can totally see that. And it looks, I mean, you do, you do Instagram lives or uh, IGTV quite a, quite a bit, which is really cool that you're just pretty consistently sharing your heart for this stuff. And, um, you know, we adopted out of foster care as well. So that's obviously a big, uh, I don't know, a big piece of my heart as well. So I can't wait to get into all the nitty gritty of your story. So yeah, just take us back to the beginning. What even got you into adoption all the way to now? Um, so my husband and I have been married for almost 12 years now. We've been together for 
almost 20, I believe. And we got married in 2009. And initially we struggled a little bit with getting pregnant. And um, we found out that we could, but we would have, we would need a little bit of help. And at that time, we, our mindset was, you know what, we've always wanted to foster and maybe possibly adopt. Let's just get into that. And then maybe we can re come back to this and decide what we want to do. We didn't feel pressured. Like we had to go medical route to get, you know, to get pregnant. We knew that we wanted to do both. Um, we had, I grew up in a, my, my parents fostering children. So I think I was, you know, exposed to it and that gained my interest, but also we had a very close family friend that had adopted a daughter through foster care. And we really bonded with her and we felt a connection with her and her story. And we loved how positive their experience was. So that's what really got us into it. And, you know, five kids later, um, nine years of foster care, um, fostering 36 children. We've now adopted five. Um, we have twins that are nine years old that we've had since they were five weeks old. And we went through heart surgeries with my daughter. It, they were premature. And then we went on to adopt three more. So five kids later, about 12 years later, and here we are, we are no longer foster parents. And we're just excited to concentrate on our family and move forward. So, I mean, that, so none of you, I mean, I guess the twins would be related, but other than that, no one's biologically related, right? No, my two youngest ones are, we adopted them together. So the twins obviously are, and then we have adopted one girl that is seven months younger than the twins. So they're pretty much like Irish triplets. And then our two youngest are biological siblings. The two girls, they are five and six, and they're actually only 13 months apart. Oh, wow. So like you've got like Irish triplets and Irish twins, <laughs> I guess. I don't, they're all um, between five and nine years old. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So we have Irish triplets as well. And then we have a teen, but uh, you know, I thought that it was hard, but I don't have like another set of twins. I thought it would be easy since they're all closer in age. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, mm -mm, they fight like cats and dogs. I mean, we can all pick, you know, generally the same movies and the same activities outside of the home. You know, they enjoy all that because they're the same age, but um, it doesn't make it easier <laughs> being no. all the same age. <laughs> no. And we're, I mean, we're even realizing like, because we have two boys and one girl and one of our boys, he's so grade wise, like there's one grade and then the two youngest uh -huh. are in the same grade, but they're all less than a year and a half apart total, like. My twins are completely different. One of them is very advanced and, you know, school comes very easily and one of them struggles a little bit. So I definitely had to separate them as far as classes and things because they compare each other, especially being twins. Yeah, no, I can totally see that. And it's even like friends are different, you know, because they have different personalities. And so we're kind of entering this phase where they're, you know, starting to be school aged. And so they have their own friends and they've always done everything together. And so like navigating that has been harder than I had planned for it to be. You know what I mean? Like you don't think like, oh, that's something that you're going to have to navigate. It's, you know, that's not where your eyes are at. I have so. four girls and one boy. So that's a whole different thing, you know, of having one, just one boy. And that's, that's a struggle in itself. He wishes he had a brother. <laughs> I bet. I bet he gets to watch, you know, like a lot of shimmer and shine. Though. <laughs> uh <-huh. laughs> oh man. Okay. So, uh, you know, 
adopting through foster care, we're all super familiar with attachment issues. Do you have that kind of stuff going on in your house or did you get them all young enough where that's not really an issue? No, I have been, honestly, um, compared to a lot of other stories, I am so thankful that we don't have that type of thing or a lot of other issues that foster children have. All of my kids came very young. So the twins were five weeks old and then our third adoption, she was two, but we knew her before. So the attachment was easy. And then my little ones were one and two. So they all came young and um, none of them had any type of issues like that. Are they all kind of thrown off when they have seen that just through foster kids that were, you know, reunited or went to a different home or are they? No, actually, um, again, they were young when I did foster. Mm -hmm. So they actually took it upon themselves to help out. And we are very vocal with our kids. Like, you know, we're just helping them, you know, with the whole process, we're honest with them that we, you know, we're going to have a new friend today. You know, it'd be nice if you can make them feel welcome and treat them like a sibling and help them out. So fostering with them already in the home was an amazing teaching moment for them, but it, they also helped you know, make that child feel comfortable more than I think that they know. And it actually made them better, more empathetic, you know, children as well, uh, knowing that they were helping those children. So um, yeah, it was hard when some of them left for sure, but you know, it's a revolving door. There was a new one and it was a new opportunity to help another child. And I think that really helped the process. You know, and I'm curious too, cause you said that you, you were a bio kid, uh, in a foster home. Do you think that that experience lent itself to just your, your ability to communicate these things with your kids? Cause I think, you know, I did not grow up in an adoptive or a foster home. And so when we started this process, um, it can get, I mean, our kids were all really young, but that's one of the most common right. questions that I get just doing what I do with the podcast. And just with my ministry is that people are like, but what about the bio kids? But what about, you know, what will my kids think? How will they react? What will this experience be like for them? And it's so hard. Cause I think that there's, I don't know it. I, I don't know it, There's so many different schools of thought there. So what was that experience like for you? And do you think that it did teach you how to talk to your kids and be more open with them about it? Um, so not as far as my experience, cause I was very young. I don't really remember it. Um, you know, when my parents fostered, but I don't have biological children. So I didn't really have that dynamic of, you know, trying to explain or try, you know, that situation, but, um, my adopted children or soon to be adopted children at the time, um, I, they understood that they were not going anywhere. And then these kids just needed a temporary home. Um, so it, it didn't play a part with my experience. I wouldn't say, you know, I think that that's really cool that you were able to communicate that and that it stuck with them, that you're not going anywhere and we're helping these kids out. Cause I think that that's not the experience of, um, you know, of some foster moms is that you're not able to communicate that even though you really want to. And, you know, I even, I did an interview last night and that was something that she really struggled with was like convincing her kids, you're not going anywhere. Um, I don't know what advice do you, would you have for those women of just how to, how to talk to your kids and, and, um, I don't know, put that conviction on them that you are here to stay and you're secure here. I think just being open and honest with them. Um, I have always from the get go, wanted to be completely honest with my children that were going to be adopted. You know, um, they have known they were adopted, you know, from the very beginning is, you know, age appropriately as much as I can communicate it and make them understand. And it's, it's, we're constantly talking about it, you know, and we're talking about it. Like it's nothing different. Like it's nothing to be ashamed of. It's just who they are and what makes them unique. And um, I think that being honest with them and being stupid, like, 
super real with them really helped them feel confident that they weren't going anywhere. I've always told my children, like, you are loved, you were handpicked, you were chosen, you know, we picked you guys. And I think that's really important. It's, it's something that you should continue to make sure that they're always loved and they feel loved and they were wanted and they were chosen because they're going to remember that growing up, especially in like a transracial, you know, home. There's a lot of other layers and, you know, of the onion that you have to peel and you have to think about that other adoptive families um, of the same race don't really have to think about. So in that situation, it's even more so important to let them know how wanted and, you know, chosen and loved they are. Yeah. And that was going to be the next pivot that I was going to ask you about just kind of shifting gears. You guys have, uh, you know, different colors going on in your home. And so being honest, you know, what are some of those conversations? I mean, even the harder conversations that you've had to have with all your kids, not just the ones that look differently than you. So I'm glad you, you, you mentioned all the kids because it's not just talking to my black children. Oh, yeah. It's all of the kids. Like, um, you know, they are brothers and sisters, regardless of the color of their skin, and they need to stick up to for each other. So um, I that was the first thing. It's all of them. I educate all of them. When I talk to, you know, my black daughters about a situation, you know, my white daughters are there also. We're all in this together. And I think that naturally, when you're thinking of it in a kid's mind, we're like, you look different than I do, you know? So I think one of the first teaching moments to help their bond as siblings and just to make them all feel comfortable in our home is we're all different. We're all beautiful. And we celebrate those differences. It's like, not like, Oh, you're different. And because of this and you're different because of that, yeah, you're different because of that, but that's what makes you beautiful. And that's what makes you unique. And that's what makes our family so special because you bring those curls to the table that I can't bring. You know what I mean? So it's just celebrating the differences is what has really been the forefront of the start of teaching in our family. And I think that that's even, I mean, on a much larger scale, because people who are outside of adoption obviously have to deal with racial issues, um, Mm -hmm. regardless if they're adopted or foster care or whatever, but even in adoption, you know, there's so many different ways of thinking about, should you talk about it? Should we talk about it openly? Should you draw attention to it? Should you sweep it under the rug or just not talk about it or not make it a big deal? And like in our house, we talk about it all the time. We celebrate it. Mm -hmm. That's not something we sweep under the rug. Um, and I've had people even tell me that like, Oh, just don't highlight it or bring attention to it. And I think that that's, it can kind of be a little bit of a parallel, like I said, on a much smaller scale to the race issue. It's like, Mm -hmm. if we don't talk about it, then it's going to seem bad or shameful. Um, so, yeah, I imagine that you've had to have some really yeah. hard conversations just about what's going on in the world. Um, would you mind like sharing some of that stuff with the moms? Listening? Yeah, everything is very, very age appropriate. Like my son is nine. I'm not teaching him how to, you know, how to behave and act, you know, when he gets pulled over quite yet. That'll come in a couple years, mm-hmm. but everything is very age appropriate. And how I my teaching method is. I use the real world. So if something happened, I saw on the news or something's happening in the real world, I take that issue and I, that's the teaching moment for the day. Like guys, like this happened today, how you guys feel about it, you know, and age appropriately, we discuss it. So I take real world events and put it into age appropriate context. And then that's how I choose to educate our children. You know, we have literature and things like that and books which really helps me because I'm a white woman and I'm constantly learning and evolving and implementing what I've learned for the benefit of all my children, regardless of the color of their skin. But books have really helped to educate me so that I can educate them as well. Yeah. And I, so 
I wanted to ask you, um, cause you just backing up to the beginning of when we started this topic in particular, you said, you know, it's a conversation that you have with all of your kids, not just your black kids. And yes. so have you, how have you seen your white kids become better equipped to, uh, you know, lay aside their privilege in a way for their brothers and sisters that you, that probably wouldn't have happened if you weren't having these conversations so readily in your home. Well, they're only five and six. So I'm not seeing a lot, to be honest with you. Um, I think the first step at that age is to, you know, learn to love each other and regardless of the color of the skin. And I think it starts racism, prejudice, whatever you want to call it. Um, it starts in the home and it's taught. So having my family be so colorful is making my white children you know, more better and for, for just life in general, not towards siblings. But, um, I think they're, they're still young. They're still really, really young. And I think that I haven't had those conversations, those tough conversations, real world things with them. Um, as I had my nine-year-olds, you know, boy and girl, because they can read and they are seeing things on YouTube and they're seeing things on social media that I want to make sure I address. It's also important for me to, um, my children are watching. So I lead by example. So I always want my children to know where I stand with certain issues. So it's not just educating them on what's going on, but it's like, your mama doesn't agree with that. You know, your mama is doing this to change and to help people and to teach you. So I think that that's super important, especially when you have, you know, children of a different color in the home, it's important for them to know your stance and staying quiet, honestly, I feel like it's the worst thing that you can do. It's sweeping under the rug. And I'll be honest with you, that's why I think there's a lot of angry and hurt um, adoptees um, mm-hmm. that feel like they lost their identity because, yeah, sure, they felt loved and their hair was done, but they, they, they were never, they never saw their parents standing up for what they believe in and being on their side and teaching them and, you know, being present in that way. So I think that's what for my little ones, you know, they don't really know much yet, but I'm excited to see what kind of people they're going to be because of the teachings in the home. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up just adoptees voices. And that's kind of, that's been coming up a lot as I'm just Mm -hmm. doing more interviews for this coming season. I'm still at the, you know, early stages of my recording Mm -hmm. process, uh, for this year, but it's even from when I started in 2017, I feel like it's becoming in a, such a good way. Adoptee voices are being much more elevated. So what are some of the best things that you've been able to learn from adoptees, um, just recently? So I know me being on a platform, um, I've had a lot of people reach out, foster parents, birth parents, adoptees, and there's some beautiful, positive stories of how um, they, how some black adoptees had white parents that really put in the work and they felt so loved and they loved their childhood. And I feel like a lot of those positive, well, frankly, almost none of those positive experiences are being told. You know, we see a lot of angry adoptees and that frustrates me. And a lot of them are actually um, so angry about their past that they're not, they haven't moved on from their anger to actually get to an educated space where they can help other foster parents, you know, navigate it and teach them of what they can do to help the life of their adoptee. So I'll be honest. So I hope that when you do interviews, you find some positive experiences also, um, because we can learn a lot from them 
-hmm. of how to do better and how to be better for our adoptive children. And that's one of the most resounding, you know, when I do interview adoptees, cause I, I always include adoptees and birth mothers and adoptive moms in each season of the podcast mm-hmm. that I do. Um, so that we're getting all voices from the adoptive yes. triad. Uh, and that's, that's something that I love is that resoundingly every single adoptee who had a positive experience and grew up feeling loved. It's like the, the common thread is that their, their culture was celebrated and that they were allowed to ask questions. And we don't that, hear those stories. No. Nope, we don't. We really don't. And there's, and I know firsthand that there are so many adoption can be so beautiful and they can have loving, you know, and great childhoods, but we're not hearing a lot of those stories. We're yeah. really not. I know. And I think that, you know, now I'm, as we're sitting here, like doing a recording, I'm thinking of like, why, why that, I mean, I understand why that is, but you know, it's, it's hard because you're right. I do feel like the angry voices are louder and they're Mm -hmm. important and they're definitely important to, we can learn so much from adoptees. I just want, I just think it would be so good to learn from all adoptees and not just the ones that have the bad experiences. Well, yeah. I mean, I think that anytime we're learning of like, from a place of this is what you're doing wrong versus this is what you can do. Right. Um, you know, one of those is not like the other there. We're definitely going to learn more coming from a different area. And that's why I think it's so important to share stories. I mean, that just shift pivoting a little bit more to something else I wanted to ask you is, you know, just your experience being a little bit more open, you know, you're opening yourself up for a lot of what I'm guessing are inappropriate questions, a lot of criticism, sure. a mm-hmm. lot of, um, a lot of, you know, we, we talk about this a lot on the podcast is that adoptive motherhood can be really lonely because I feel like we're placed on this pedestal that we didn't necessarily ask for. Um, and it's hard to feel relatable. It's hard to feel like we have people that understand exactly where we're at and we're just doing the best we can to share and tell our story and encourage other people to adopt and be real and honest and like all and of raise our own children. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about that experience for you. Um, I being on a public platform in general, um, yes, I'm putting myself up to criticism because I am a white woman raising black children. And it's not even about adoption in general. It's just about race. (laughs) I'll be honest. There's a lot of comments. Um, There's a lot of positivity. I'd say 90% is extremely positive and supportive and um, welcoming. But there are some that just don't understand how a white mother could be equipped in any way to raise a black child. And um, regardless of the amount of research and immersing myself in the culture and love and that I give these children, um, some people just will never understand. And I do get comments, and um, but they're very prejudiced comments. So it's, I don't pay attention to it because, I mean, it, it affected me in the beginning because I'm just like, oh my gosh, like they have no idea who I am. They have no idea the lifelong commitment that I've given to these children or what I do every single day or the countless nights that I stay up awake wondering if I'm doing enough and what more can I do? Um, So there's another piece of this also. I have realized that, you know, there are other women that feel the same way. So I want to be that support system and talk them through what I've learned in my experiences. Also, I think there's just like a label that a lot of people put on white adoptive mothers of black children uh, that we're just trying to save these children and give them a better life. And there's some of us out there that are really, 
really get it. And we're really trying to do more and be more. Um, so I think that, yeah, the comments and things, yeah, I get a lot of it. They don't bother me anymore at all. And I would give advice to other people to do, keep doing you. You know what's in your heart. Keep doing better. Keep listening. Keep going. And don't pay attention to those comments because they're doing nothing to help you raise your child. <laughs> Man, uh, I think that, I mean, that's like, it's amazing advice. It's easy. <sighs> It's easier said than done. I'm speaking yes, to someone who's like a I chronic agree. people pleaser. <laughs> I am trying. That's why I'm trying to, what I'm trying to help. I'm trying to make everyone aware of the commitment and what you need to do. You know, it's, it's education that is, it'll never stop. It'll never, never stop. And yeah. they need more than just a safe home in a nice neighborhood. Like they need to need so much more. Love isn't enough. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I mean, I hope that's not all you're going to say. Cause I'm about to ask you some more questions about it, but <laughs> I, I, okay. So I think that that's really, really interesting kind of path to go down. And I'm really excited you brought it up because I think we're like, we already said, there's, we're in this culture where more voices, birth mother and adoptive voices are being elevated. And that's amazing. But yes. I do feel like what we do as adoptive moms, um, especially those of us like you who are putting in the work, like you're not yeah. just like, look at our cool family, you know, mm-hmm. um, you're putting in the work and it's so hard because I feel like we're being asked to, um, kind of like negate that for ourselves, you know, um, not, I, not that it's about us at all because it's not, but it's still hard. Like that's the whole purpose of the podcast is to be able to have a safe space for adoptive moms to come and listen to each other and be encouraged by each other. Um, because what we do is really hard and you can't get away from that. Even if it's just as important as the other two parts of the adoption triad, it's still really freaking hard. And, um, I don't know, what do you do with that? Cause I feel like we're being asked to sit down and just shut up about it so often, you know? So this is exactly why I did this like because we need that support there's we have a voice but we also we do need to listen I'm gonna be honest Mm -hmm. you know that doesn't mean we have to sit down and shut up but we do need to listen we have a lot to learn because you know we're trying to do best for our family but I also think that um, we learn through personal experience and through other people's stories, those real raw stories, not the ones that you see on TV that is concentrating on the drama and the hurt and the pain and you know, the abuse and all that. We want to learn like the real in the trenches, like the realness and the rawness of stories. And that's how we can learn to be better for our children. It's a very unique journey. And it's, it's like, we're never going to stop learning ever, ever, ever. It's really, really difficult. And I really wanted to create that space for foster parents specifically, um, you know, to have that safe place to ask questions. I think, and this is a little bit off topic, but I've had many people say how intimidated they were, white women, how they're intimidated to ask, you know, their, um, the black community about hair care or about, you know, what they can do because they're afraid of being judged. They're not going to be you know, doing enough, or they're not doing this right, or they're never going to be enough. So for me to have a platform to help educate and teach, you know, they people have told me that it's easier to ask me those tough questions that they're scared to ask the black community. 
And not everyone feels this way, but that's just my experience. Mm. So I think that that's why I kind of created this space because I'm like, well, maybe they'll listen to me. Maybe they'll be more comfortable asking me questions. You know, I can learn from other people and I can just share what I've learned. So I think it's a really good space to have. Yeah. I mean, just, it sounds like you're really taking a boots on the ground, like alongside uh, approach instead of a look at me approach, which well, I- it create a bridge, create yeah. that gap. Like, you know, ask me those questions that you're nervous to ask someone else. I'm not going to judge you. I, I, I get it. I'm here. We're all learning together. What? Right. Absolutely. And it's just, it's instead of saying, you know, I, I don't know, instead of having this life that can feel very other to so many people who are not in foster care, who are not in the adoption world, um, to ask, to invite them to walk that alongside you is very vulnerable. Like we've already talked about, but I think it's really necessary. And I mean, it's people like you that we're so grateful for because we can, we can feel like we're again, doing it next to you instead of just watching you and then trying to figure it out on our own. Um, it's our village, you know, we all got to do it together. Yeah. That's really cool. So what would you say some of the, the harder lessons that you've invited people along the ride for have been harder lessons and just things that you've walked through that have been harder to share I think um most recently a story that I shared on my Instagram about um you know someone saying something to one of my kids so all race aside adoption aside all the struggles journey I think the hardest part of adoption well for trans racial adoption like my family is what people may say to my children um when I'm not around Mm -hmm. you know people are curious people are nosy (laughs) um and I recently had a situation where um uh, my daughter and another um little black friend that she had just met in her community a girl a couple years older than her they've been playing a lot and they kind of had a misunderstanding about something and the little girl said something very mean to my daughter um I shared it on my Instagram IG stories about, about how she was adopted and how assuming and telling her that she was left on the side of the sidewalk on the street and how she had to knock on doors looking for a family. So this is the kind of stuff that people don't realize is going to happen. It may not be as extreme or serious as this situation from this mean girl, but, um, it's going to happen. People are going to ask your child, especially if they don't look like you when you're not around, even adults, like, are you adopted? Well, where's your real parents? Like, I think that is the hardest part of adoption for me is the emotional aspect of that. Like, what the heck are you asking my kid? Like, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of emotions. I went through all the stages, anger, like resentment, like, okay, like equipping our children with the knowledge and the confidence of knowing, you know, what to say back, what they're comfortable saying back has been the hardest part of adoption for me. And it's first of all, letting them be, you know, um, okay. And feeling confident that they're adopted, not making them feel different and then equipping them with the knowledge and the comebacks of what to say when someone asks them that and letting them know that they don't have to share their story. Like, You don't have to tell them where your birth parents are. You don't have to tell them your story. You don't owe that to anyone, you know? So I teach my kids, my husband and I all the time randomly be like, hey, are you adopted? And they're like, yes, yes, I am. 
you know, it's just, it's normal. It's, it's, it's a normal thing in our family. And the more we talk about it and the more we equipped our kids with the knowledge and the confidence of what to say back, you know, the better they can handle those type of situations. And then they won't be hurt afterwards. It won't, they won't be affected by that person of what they said. That has definitely been the biggest challenge in adoption is dealing with the comments and things that people say to my children. Who cares what they say to me? I can handle it, but don't say it to my child. (laughs) No, 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 no. Yeah. That's what, you know, I was just saying that last night that I feel like we, we have to have like a tender heart, but a tough exterior. We've got to be like lying on the outside, you know? Yeah. And it comes honesty. It all goes back to being honest, not pushing anything under the rug. No topic is off limits. Like, you know, my children can ask me anything and I'm going to give them an honest age appropriate answer. Love it. Um, and I think that, you know, I want to say like, there's no guide for this, but in a way people like you are the guide. And I know that that's, you know, you're doing it differently than a regular guide that we would look at like a how to, but it is like a, an, an invitation to walk alongside, which is, is. it's just sharing what I've learned, sharing my stories and how I handled it. Yeah. Oh, so much good stuff, dude. Like just so many good pieces of, I don't know, just things to think about reflection stuff. Um, I'm, I don't know. I'm just really excited that we get to learn from people like you and that we get to, um, I don't know, do this, do this next to you because it, uh, it's really hard and you're right. We need a village. And sometimes it's really hard to feel, to find that village close to you. Um, Those are some things that, you know, people don't really realize happen, you know, and this is good for people to know and how they think if they can handle situations like this before they even adopt. Yeah. It kind of throws you into it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a lot like the more equipped we are, um, to ahead of time, you know, the smoother and the better it is, it's going to be, you know, raising our kids. I'm such a strong believer that I feel like, you know, when we're going through training, especially in foster care, when we're going through foster care training, I feel like there's this, this balance of what is too much to tell hopeful foster parents that have like stars in their eyes. Absolutely. And, and we need you. <laughs> But then how much are we doing a disservice? You know, you said you don't have attachment issues in your home, but we, we did, and we were not prepared for it because we hadn't been. And Mm -hmm. that's so hard because I feel like when we're handing people, this is what you are going to deal with, or this is what you could deal with, or this is what to expect. We're only, we're helping them. I mean, yes, there is that like scare factor, but when we're unequipped and we have expectations that don't match reality, that's never going to help, you know? And it's definitely something that you can't just teach and expect people to absorb for their lifetime. You know, this is just like, I don't remember anything I learned in my foster care training. Like, I mean, yeah, if we talk about it, I may remember some things, but you know, 99.9% of what I've learned is just from the real world and literally just posting videos and talking about my situations or you know, talking about hair care things and going back and reading the thousands of comments that people have left me on their tips and their advice and their personal stories. It's what taught me and made me better. So I all, I'll be honest. I think if I was not a YouTuber and I did not have this platform where I talked about foster care and adoption, I would not be as educated, um, as empathetic. And I would not know as much as I know. I wouldn't be as good as a a mother to my children if I did not have this platform because it opened myself up to all this advice. And, you know, and so I'm really thankful for it. 
Yeah. And I think, I mean, there's, there's definitely a factor there of laying aside pride. Um, and that can be the biggest one. Yeah. I think that's the biggest breakthrough of what I'm trying to do here is like, Hey, Hey girl, we need to do better. Like I'm going to help you because you may be intimidated by their voices of hurt, but Hey, I'm going to help you you know, let's do this together. I need you to know how important this is. I need you to do better and I'll help you. That's what I'm trying to do. I love that. Like that's so necessary. And just kind of getting over those stigmas of, of pride or of you messed up or now you've done it or whatever. I mean, that's, what's going to, like what you said, that's what's going to bridge that gap ultimately. Right. Right. (sighs) Such good stuff, dude. Um, okay. Can we get into these closing questions? I'm so excited. Cool. All right. What do you wish you had known at the very beginning of this journey? What would you tell yourself if you could? Um, I wish it, and let me just say, it will not, it would not affect my decision to adopt, but I wish I knew how consumed I was going to be um, on constantly being a better parent to my kids, the lifelong commitment, the lifestyle change. And it's just, it's very consuming in a good way, but it's something I constantly think about is doing better and being better. I had no idea that I would be constantly trying to educate myself on being better for my kids. Yeah. Like your world was wrecked, you know? Yeah. It's a complete, it changed me. I changed myself, um, my thinking, my thoughts, you know, it, it literally was life-changing adopting children. Seriously was. I love that. Okay. What do you wish you had done differently? I wish I would have just kind of like opened up sooner. And I also wish in the whole foster care, foster to adopt realm, I wish I would have let go sooner because you have no control and you're, and you're constantly trying to advocate and you're constantly trying to do better for these children. And I wish I would have just like let go and let be what will be because I had no control. Um, So I wish I would have just kind of relaxed and let go and just let the process go. And I think I would have avoided a lot of stress and heartaches. (laughs) It's, it's, it's a process that you have no control over. So I wish I would have let go sooner so I could just relax. Girl, that's like the hardest lesson to learn is just not having the control. And oh my gosh. Yes. It's still, you know, still a problem. This side Uh of adoption. (laughs) Yeah, it is. Okay. What was your favorite way that your people supported you? Um, like my family members, like family members, community. I think that with my family on, you know, I didn't know how they were going to react to me, um, deciding not to have biological children because even though I could with a little bit of help, um, I, as soon as I started fostering and met these children, we adopted the twins. I just knew that this is what we were meant to do. And, um, having a biological child just wasn't a priority for me anymore. Um, it never was really high up on our list, to be honest with you. I think a lot of people, uh, foster and adopt because they, um, have infertility problems and because, you know, they think it's their only avenue to build a family. And, um, it, that, it wasn't like that for us. It, it really, really wasn't. But I think that the support that I received from my family, choosing that route and also choosing to adopt um, children of a different race, that by them showing support by treating them like a biological child is huge for me. 
Um, you know, yeah, they're not alongside me in the trenches, like digging deeper and educating about the culture and all that, but they show my kids an equal amount of love. Um, even the ones that look like us and the don't. So I think that was the biggest support that they could have done. It seems very small, and, um, but honestly, that's all I, I need from them. Just treat them all fairly and love them all and be good aunties and uncles and grandparents. And that speaks volumes for me. And that was very supportive. And I didn't know what it was going to be like, <laughs> but um, the fact that they, they treat them like they are biological um, meant the world to me. And it was super supportive. Yeah. And you'd think that that would be easy. I mean, it, it, but it, you talk to so many different people and it's not, it's so much more rare than we think. Yeah. A lot of people that reach out to me, um, they have, they want to know how they can handle, you know, why their father or their mother doesn't accept their grandkids, the adopted grandkids and things. It's really, really sad. So I feel blessed. The fact that my family and extended family and friends have all been very, very supportive and have all treated our children equally. Yeah. So on the flip side of that, what is a way that you have felt hurt or misunderstood by those around you or even those on the internet asking dumb questions, you know? I honestly haven't really felt that in my community in like my real life, I would say. I really haven't. I feel very blessed. Um, I mean, I have people that ask, you know, in my community that my family that have asked questions and I generally want to do better, but I have not received anything negative um, at all. I mean, of course I've received lots of comments, negative comments, um, but the positive ones outweigh the bad ones on the internet. I, the, (laughs) the comments that I receive are, are, are stupidity. Honestly, they're, um, very close minded thoughts and they are just meant to get attention. And, um, I think the one that bothered me the most was someone that reached out to me on Instagram and um, picked through my Instagram photos and said, oh, why are you kissing your white children more than your black children? Or just like little petty things like that. They're like, oh, they're going to grow up not, you know, seeing that and all that. I'm like, wait a minute. My black children are older. You know, I show them love in other ways. My younger ones, I can hold them. Like it's, I questioned myself. I'm like, am I representing that on my Instagram? And those are the ones that kind of get you like, and make you think like, am I doing this? Am I not doing that? And I just realized, no, you're tripping. (laughs) So those did bother me because it really made me put thought into it. And I'm like, am I, am I, am I not? But I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) I never want to portray that. Yeah. She needs to get like a gym membership or some, like a hobby or something like that. That seems like a I mean, it's very hard to judge someone by pictures that they post. Um, Also, it's very hard to judge a YouTuber because they show you 10 minutes of their life within that week and it's edited. So, you know, (laughs) people like to judge, you know, I have one child that's very quiet and they're like, oh, she's unhappy because she doesn't speak much, you know, and she's unhappy because she's adopted or because you're white and she's black. I'm just like, oh my God, go away. Like you have no idea, no idea, but you know, children have different temperaments. They have different personalities. One's quieter than the other in my family. We have very extremes, but that doesn't mean that my quieter one is unhappy because she has a quiet demeanor, you know? Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't say that to a bio kid, like. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Goodness. Okay. So 
last question here. What is, if you could sum it all up into one piece of advice or encouragement to an adoptive mama in the trenches, what would you say? Um, I would say, welcome to the ride. (laughs) Hold on tight. Um, never stop learning, never stop telling your children how loved and chosen they are. Cause that means the world. Um, I want to encourage people that family is super important, even though, you know, they may have done some terrible things, um, for them, you know, for the child to be adopted. It doesn't matter. Um, even if you cannot have a safe connection, it's really important to do the research, find out names, birth dates, siblings, location, as much information as you can, when you can, to have that information available for your children when they're older, because that is priceless information and you do not want to pass that up. You want to have as many answers as you can for them for later. That's good stuff. I think that, you know, especially for those of us in the adoption through foster care community, it's so hard to gauge what's safe and what's not and what's, Mm -hmm. what's, you know, a healthy decision or what's not. And, um, so I don't know. I love that freedom of just like, Hey, hold your hands open, not close tight, you know? Right. You know, sometimes connections aren't, aren't, um, possible in the moment or not accessible or feasible because of whatever the situation is, but you know, you're, it'll also help your child bond with your child and, and help them realize how much you value their background and their family by gathering that information for them later. Um, it would be, I would be devastated if I grew up and my mom had no idea, my adopted mom had no idea about my biological family because she didn't take the time to do the research and gather information for me for later. I think it would affect your relationship as well between the two of them. Yeah, man, that's good stuff, girl. Okay. Where can we find you and follow along with you? Watch on YouTube, follow on Instagram, all that Uh, good stuff. I'm on YouTube, Christy Gior, C-H-R-I-S-T-Y-G-I-O-R. Same as on Instagram as well. And then in about mid-July, I'll also be launching a podcast on amplifying voices of everyone involved in uh, foster care and adoption as well. Awesome. Do you know, do you have a name yet or? I don't have a name yet. We're working on it. I'm like taking this really seriously. <laughs> I've already done um, some, we're call, actually calling them like chit chats. They're more of, you know, really relaxed and um, playful type of chats while we do things like wine tasting and making mac and cheese and just kind of fun things, very relaxed type of conversations, but it will be on YouTube. So it will be a video podcast. I love that. And this is launching in August. So we're, we're currently recording before the podcast comes out, but oh, okay. So it's probably around the same time. <laughs> yeah. I'll definitely include that in the show notes. Um, thank you so much, Christy. This was awesome to yeah. talk to you. I loved having you on. And for those of you who are not a part of the Patreon community and, um, you are not going to get to hear me and Christy have a super fun conversation, but if you would like to be a part of that, head to the adopted mom slash Patreon. And for everyone else, thank you so much, Christy. And have a good day. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I hope you found encouragement here. I need you to know that you are enough and you're doing a great job. We are all in this together and I am over here cheering you on. Don't forget to check out show notes for this episode and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks for joining us.